You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Contagion. It was a groundbreaking ceremony for a new factory. Did you mention seeing anyone who was sick? Anyone on a plane at the airport? No. She said she was jet-lagged. The average person touches their face three to five times every waking minute. In between, we're touching doorknobs, water fountains, and each other. Matt! No, no, uh, uh, go up to your room, honey. So we have a virus with no treatment protocol and no vaccine at this time. You had a seizure this morning, Beth. Yeah, she before? had a history of seizures. No, no, no. Allergies. No. As of last night, there were 32 cases. Unfortunately, she did die. Right. So can I go talk to her? Mr. Armoff, your wife is dead. What are you talking about? What happened to her? What happened to her? Is there any way someone could weaponize the bird flu? Is that what we're looking at? Someone doesn't have to weaponize the bird flu. The birds are doing that. Watch this. It's transmission. So we just need to know which direction. On day one, there were two people, and then four, and then 16. In three months, it's a billion. That's where we're headed. They're calling out the National Guard. They're moving the president underground. People will panic. Get away! It will tip over. The truth is being kept from the world. Cook your samples, destroy everything. Hello. I need you to get me the names of everyone who serviced this room. It's an emergency. I got people too, Dr. Cheever. We all do. Don't talk to anyone. Don't touch anyone. Stay away from other people. Get back in your car! We're not sick! It's figuring us out faster than we're figuring it out. It's mutated. All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Contagion, and the story is as follows. When Beth Emhoff returns to Minnesota from a Hong Kong business trip, she attributes the illness she feels to jet lag. However, two days later, Beth is dead, and doctors tell her shocked husband that they have no idea what killed her. Soon, many others start to exhibit the same symptoms, and a global pandemic explodes. Doctors try to contain the lethal microbe, but society begins to collapse as a blogger fans the flames of paranoia. The film is starring Marion Cartillard, Matt Damon, Lawrence Fishburne, Jude Law, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kate Winslet, Brian Cranston, Jennifer L., and Sana Lathan, it is uh, directed by Steven Soderbergh, written by Scott Z. Burns. Joining me for this podcast review, I have Dan Baer. Oh, boy. We're all going to die. Josh Parham. <laughs> hello, hello. Cody Derricks. Hi there. And Daniel Howitt. Hello. All right. So, Contagion, a movie that a lot of people are revisiting right now came out in 2011 normally uh this would be maybe a patreon podcast review but given what is happening in the world right now as it pertains to the coronavirus uh we are experiencing our own contagion right now and as a result of that there are no new movies to review this weekend and for the weeks ahead so we're going to be going back and uh 
visiting some films that deal with pandemics, virus outbreaks, so on and so forth. And, you know, we'll also have some other podcast reviews sprinkled in to try and pass time. But Contagion is the one that's definitely top of mind for a lot of people right now, mostly because of how eerie, I mean, like scarily eerie, uh, this pretty much predicted what it is that we're going through today. Um, I want to kick it off first with Josh Parham. Josh, what was your experience like with Contagion? Did you see it back in 2011? And what was it like revisiting it this time? Uh, well, I did see this movie back in the day um, in theaters when they were opened. Um, and I remember liking it back then, but I hadn't seen it in quite some time. Um, and yeah, it felt very prescient to watch it now. And it certainly is a movie that seems to get a lot of particular details correct, and it goes about showing them in a very interesting way that uh, uses some very engaging filmmaking that makes it a particularly interesting watch. Um, I don't think it's a perfect movie, though, and I think there's some things in the script that are a little silly, uh, even you know, in this very heightened reality that we seem to be in now, I still think there's some things in it that kind of take me out the movie in terms of the story it's telling. But overall, I'd still, I still find it to be very, very compelling. And it's certainly a, a very interesting movie that I would recommend. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, too. The recommend part is like, yeah, I definitely recommend that people watch this, especially from an educational standpoint, if people want to understand the severity of what it is that we're going through in our own lives right now. But goddamn, it is scary. And I don't want to fuel anyone else's paranoia necessarily by having them sit down and watch this movie. But it definitely has the capability to do that, I think, because of how um, lifelike it feels. I mean, they're mentioning things like social distancing within this movie, and that's a term that we're hearing on a daily basis right now. And it's like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> you know. So uh, let's kick it over to Howitt. Howitt, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, what yes. do you think of Contagion? I I love Contagion. Um, I saw it when it first came out. I, I have good memories of seeing it. It was a drive-in double feature of this and Crazy Stupid Love. Uh, it's a good double <laughs> feature. Uh I this movie in in almost every respect just feels so real and and it's genuinely scary even when you watch it outside of the pandemic that we're currently in um but watching it in our current circumstances it's uh it's scary um the opening sequence where it's just it's just starting to spread it's so perfectly shot um I love the way Soderbergh really naturally lets the camera linger on everything that sick people are touching um, and it's not laying it on too thick. It's just enough to make you a little queasy. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's phenomenal. I, I think, uh, more than anything, it's a, it's a warning about how fast sickness can spread. Um, I actually watched this a few weeks ago, kind of before it started to get really serious here, uh, here in America. And, um, and I was actually, I remember when I watched it then, I was, I was surprised at, at some of the time markers in the movie. You know, it would say day 30, day 40, and that felt way too fast. So I was like, I don't know. That's too fast. And then, you know, fast forward four weeks and you see where <laughs> we are and we're all quarantined. So, um, yeah, this movie is just pretty freaking scary and realistic. And uh, it, like Josh said, it's really prescient and um and it's just it's a it's a it's hopefully much more grim than our our current situation than the pandemic we're in. Um, but it's just it's a really, really well done, very realistic uh, depiction of of a pandemic. 
All right. All right. Cody, what about you, man? So I think like a lot of us, I first saw this in 2011 and I kind of was like, oh, you know, respectable, solid thriller, but didn't really think much of it, which is kind of reflective in like the critical response and the gross at the time and the non-existent awards run. And then revisiting it this time, both, I think, because of what's currently going on and also just maybe from a different appreciation of film. I, I really did enjoy this movie this time. I, I thought the best part about it was definitely the screenplay. Uh, I think the best, like the kind of miracle of the screenplay is that they, there's no moments of like somebody screaming a monologue about like, I knew mm-hmm. this would happen. Mm-hmm. And there, or there's no, I mean like the most over the top stuff is the looting and the violence. Uh, but even that is done in a realistic way. So I like that it's pr- pretty like science-based and what i from what i can uh from what i've read i I believe it's actually fairly accurate science-wise especially the stuff with like having to test the virus on a certain amount of things for it you can begin human trials and having to destroy the virus first before you can rebuild all that kind of stuff was very uh tactile and uh, pretty realistic and that's um i think the star of the movie is the screenwriting uh the direction's really solid the ensemble is pretty uh, uniformly great across the board. There's some storylines that I think are a little bit less exciting whenever we revisit them. I'm thinking of like the Jude Law stuff, mm-hmm. but overall it's yeah. extremely yeah. solid mm-hmm. overall. Okay. All right. Dan Bear, what about yourself? So I somehow missed this back in 2011 when it came out um, and had not seen it until now. Um I'm still not entirely sure how, except to just say that like there are a lot of movies and there's only so little time. Um, but yeah, I oof, I <laughs> this was so real. It felt so true to the situation we're living in that like I had to go back and like read some of the uh, stuff from the movie back from when it came out. And yeah, it turns out Scott Z Burns actually did write this after talking to people who work with on infectious diseases um, and had done lots of research on that. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, nobody does this kind of stuff like Steven Soderbergh. It's, it's so well done. And so informative while being slick and entertaining at the same time. Um, I, I am in love with Cliff Martinez's score for this movie Mm-hmm. Um, I think it it works so so well in context, um, and just yeah, man. I oof. It's like the scariest movie that isn't a horror movie that I may have seen in a long time. Yeah, I definitely think that the renewed interest in the movie, given everything that's going on right now, like I said before, has the ability to definitely uh, strike fear and paranoia within people if they take it the wrong way. Um, hopefully. Uh, Like, I believe, I think it was Cody who said it. The film is not uh, going to, uh, our lives are not going to match uh, how far the film goes in terms of, um, you know, the level of violence and just the uh, chaos that ensues as a result of it. Um, I saw this so long ago, it feels like, you know, nine years, and I've only seen it the one time that it, 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 it like, it didn't stick with me then. And I barely remembered it. So when I watched it again, it felt like I was watching it for the first time all over again, uh, which was very, very interesting. And also, too, uh, obviously, with a whole what feels like, you know, multiple lifetimes of film knowledge stuck somewhere in between, um, I was able to kind of like approach this from a different uh, standpoint other than like a pure entertainment standpoint. 
So uh, there was a lot going on here with this movie. I think the first thing I want to like just uh, mention is uh, the science uh, behind it all and all the different organizations that are involved and just the level of research that Scott C. Burns would have to do to make this as realistic as humanly possible. And I think that aspect of this really, really works. You know, like trying to set it within a uh, reality is probably the best thing that the screenplay does. The thing that I don't particularly like about the screenplay is it's an ensemble piece and it's a fairly large ensemble with a lot of people that are very recognizable, a lot of big stars, um, even still today. And I don't necessarily know if they get the uh, right amount of character development for me to fully uh, buy into like all of their storylines. And I think part of that is because the film is extremely tight. It's less than two hours long. It whizzes on by uh, through uh, the pandemic and, and how quickly it spreads. I think they say it's like um, just only like a few months that it covers, but it goes by very, very quickly. And so as a result of that, I think some characters do get explored enough. And then there are other uh, actors uh, that are playing these characters who I don't feel like get the necessary screen time to make much of an impression. Well, I would say that there's probably little to no character development for anybody in this movie. And well, with with the exception maybe of Matt Damon, because um, in the beginning, his wife, yeah. uh, played by Gwyneth Paltrow, dies, and he's so shocked because it comes out of nowhere that he never and, – and with everything else happening around him and having to take care of his stepson and his daughter um, and just the shock of all of this happening so quickly – I think he's the only one that ever gets like an arc because at the end they give him the the moment where he finally does get a moment to grieve after everything is kind of calmed down. He does get that. He's the only one that comes the closest to any kind of uh, emotional arc. But I also think that the nature of the way that this movie wants to tell its story Mm -hmm. means that that gets lost a bit. And you really don't – I don't think you really feel the impact of what you're supposed to get in that moment at the end. And I don't think so either, yeah. I think the very nature of the script just means that it is more focused on this like clinical representation of how Mm -hmm. to deal with this pandemic, which is fine. It does a really great job at that. But I do think the sacrifice that it makes is you really – don't get a great sense of who these characters are, and they're really just meant to be kind of pawns to move the story forward. Um, I, I actually disagree a little bit on that. I thought that the end with Matt Damon sort of really brought everything home for me. I after spending, I think that was the intention, but I don't know if it fully landed. Well, I think it worked for me, and that because you know we're spending two hours dealing with just this very specific we are responding to this virus and we are doing everything we can to fix it and it's sort of like a mystery what the virus is the mystery sort of element um and then when we get to that end and there's this one really great shot with him like in the um almost in the background looking at the camera with pictures from his wife's trip and it that really brought like home the sort of human impact that this would have um, for me. Anyway, it it did it did the job. Where I think the film really fell down was the character development for Marianne Cotillard's character because yeah. her last scene, she does something, and like while yes, it it's an understandable thing for a person to want to do in that situation. It also we don't see how she got to that point, really. Yeah, it's a I agree. Big moment. There's like a big time jump, 
and it's inferred that she's developed a connection with the people that she's been staying with all this time and yeah no I I agree I think once again it's a victim of uh, the condensed runtime. if this movie had been maybe say two hours 15 to 20 I think that we would have been able to get the necessary uh, character development to make some of those moments land a little bit better I just really did miss the character development to be honest with you I thought I thought that um, watching the film more focused on how the pandemic was spreading um, and and the terror and kind of just the 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 way the events progressed uh, was much more interesting than any of the characters. So I don't disagree. Yeah. I, I I didn't feel much character development, but I didn't I didn't necessarily miss it either. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. I don't mind them being necessarily more archetypes than fully developed characters that we see interact with the virus because it kind of then is easier to apply to the real world to be like, yeah. oh, uh, the Jude Law character is like, you know like what Alex Jones would react to it during a pandemic or whatever. And, you know, Matt Damon is somebody who's really protective of his daughter without, you know, without specifics necessarily. And I, yeah, I I kind of don't mind that. I also do like the fact that it's set during the holidays, uh, you know, Thanksgiving, like Christmas uh, time of the year as well. Um, Because I, once again, if you're trying to, I guess, not tackle this in a character-centric, uh, specific sort of way, and you're more so just trying to capture um, a wide range of different types of people. I think that's also like what the John Hawks character is also supposed to represent as well as just average, everyday, normal people that are outside of like the people like the uh, like the Dr. Fauci's of the world. You know what I mean? That are like trying to actually like break this stuff down and get to the root cause of everything that's happening. Um, I, I I like that it touches upon different types of people um, all over from the military with Brian Cranston thinking, is this like some sort of a weaponized attack on the, uh, on the U S you know, like I like that the movie approaches it all from different angles. Yeah. I mean, it kind of approaches this material as if it's like a procedural, like you, mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier, it's like a mystery. You're trying to figure this thing out and you go at it from all these different perspectives. And I think the movie goes about it in a rather clinical sense, but I think that is so appropriate for the tone that it sets. It really shows you the kind of day-to-day operations of what needs to happen in order to solve this. In my opinion, it's a bit optimistic compared to what we have now, but it got, it does show you what is necessary to kind of go about uh, solving a crisis like this. I, 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 don't know. I don't think it's that optimistic at yeah, all. Agreed. Yeah, no. Like, basically, well, the message of this movie is the system is not prepared for something like this to happen. Well, it's, it's not mystic. set up in a way. No, I think it is. I think it is prepared. Um, I think the problem is that, to me, the way it comes off to, to myself is that you have, because, like I said before, there's so many different angles that this gets approached from, it slows everything down. Um, I definitely think that people know how to tackle this, but I got to get clearance from my boss and I got to partner up with this person and the work has to be done. And just these things just take so much time. And there's so many roadblocks that are put in front of um, all the people behind the scenes that are actively trying to develop this vaccine to get it made. And then on top of that, you have the stuff just going on in the streets, you know, with trying to get um, the space to provide for uh, people that are sick because, you know, they have like gymnasiums and things like that that they have have to uh, set up they got to hand out distribute food to people that need it um and it's a very very big large-scale operation that can go so awry and so out of control and then that just creates more problems and it it, i definitely think that that is something that the movie does extremely well is just showing how 
reactionary everything has to be and, you know, how quickly it all needs to be set up. But these things still take time because they're huge, large scale operations. I will say it did make me feel a little better about our current world that in this movie, 20 days into the virus, granted, it is a faster virus with a slower uh, with with a quicker incubation period. But 20 days into this virus, people are, you know, burning things and there's garbage Mm -hmm. in the streets and blah, blah, blah. So that made me feel like, oh, okay, well, we're not there yet. We're still in like the denial phase. We're still in the, you know, Skyping friends from home phase. Yeah, I think that's a good transition into talking about Jude Law. Um, who I think is one of the most, uh, probably the worst part of the movie, in my opinion. Um, I think he's one of the only parts of this film that feels cartoonish. Um, you know, I, I get the comparison uh, to Alex Jones, that like that's what they're trying to do. Um, but he's so much more believed by audiences than than Alex Jones. Then I can't I can't think of a real comparison yeah. to him. You know, he he gets he. Basically, basically makes the entire world run on this forsythia drug um, that does nothing, and so I that that was the only thing that just felt felt a little too contrived, um, and his performance is a little silly. Um, but, but forgive me though, Dan, doesn't um, he get the virus and then he does get healed due to the forsythia? So no, it's I don't unclear. Think so I think that's supposed to be pretty yeah. fake. Yeah, yeah. I think it's totally faked. It's unclear in the movie. Okay, okay. See, I, I, I couldn't tell if he was faking it yeah. or if indeed it was something that happened. And maybe it wasn't the recipient; it was something else. Well, they say something later about him, like never having it or something. They like yeah. ran a test. Okay, it's like yeah, a little thrown but, off. And he's like, well, of course, your labs didn't say anything because you right. want your drug and like everything. I think that's kind of what the movie's trying to do. It's like, yes, everything he's saying. If you're coming at you know the world from a very cynical angle is could potentially make sense and could be true, but is it? And that is, I, I think that it works the first time you watch the movie when you're like, what is going on with this guy? But after the movie plays its hand, it, there's nothing, there's nothing to reward it on future viewings. You know, it just becomes like, Oh, this guy again. Yeah. Yeah, I think that my problem with his character is just that it doesn't feel like it is that consequential to the overall story. And it it is true that watching him now, he definitely feels like an Alex Jones character, which I mean, he I mean, Alex Jones is a very cartoonish figure in our world, too. So (laughs) so I feel like that part is pretty accurate. I could believe that he'd be this very over the top kind of person. What I have trouble with in the movie, though, is just it feels like he incites one riot that we see and then that's it. Then he is arrested. And I just don't feel like he adds that much to the overall narrative. So whenever he comes up, you're watching this very over the top character who now just feels like a distraction from the rest of the very kind of controlled storytelling that's going on. Yeah. He's, he's there just to add chaos and that's it. Yeah. I'm going to pivot here actually for a second because it's interesting how like the marketing would have you believe that Matt Damon is the lead of this movie. And I don't believe that there really is truly a lead here. But would you all agree with me that the one person who feels the most like the lead is Lawrence Fishburne? Yeah. Uh, I guess. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> the closest to a lead, though. We're not even yeah, saying that he's yeah. a lead, but yeah. he's like, the- no, no, no. Yeah, I'm not saying that he is, but um, I, I actually found out of all of the people like in this movie, like the person that was like in the thick of it in terms of actually having um, real 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like real impact on yeah. the story of how this virus gets truly uh, contained. I felt like he was the person that was um, impacting a lot of the other storylines. And uh, it, it, it did feel like to me he had the most screen time, actually. It's possible. Oh, I, to me, though, the um, the person that you're saying affects the story the most, but maybe not other people's stories, is Jennifer Ely's research scientist, who uh, I, oh, also yeah. is my favorite performance in the movie by far. I, I am totally with you on that, Gordy. I think she's easily the best performance in the movie. She's very empathetic uh, and and sympathetic, and she almost, in a way, I don't know if this is what she actually did for her performance, but you can kind of maybe imagine that she's seeing the virus as a personified thing because she does a lot of, um, like, there's a moment towards the end when they're putting it in some sort of uh, ice containment for future research, and she looks at it almost like it's, an old foe in like a whimsical kind of way. And I, I love little touches like that. It's, it's a really, really good performance. I love how she, when she is having conversations with people, she's rarely looking at them. She is looking straight ahead or she's looking mm. at what she's presenting yeah, she's always or thinking. the research. And she is always just fascinated by it. And yeah. it's so like, I, I thought that was so true to like, to that kind of scientist who was always working on these things. And it, it's wonderful how she does it without coming off like an egghead or too too intellectual. Right, but because you, you would go into the it. field because yeah. you would go into the field because you had a fascination and maybe even a little bit of uh, affection for what you're studying. Yes. Yeah. I love that um also too, I think she has probably the most difficult dialogue of the movie too, because she has all of this scientific <laughs> jargon that she has to like rattle off. Yeah, yeah. And uh just her level of uh confidence that she has uh playing this role and how clinical it is and such that um I really did b- uh, believe her in that role completely. Um you know, one person that I thought was actually going to be uh, a lead of this movie, uh, but her character, spoiler alert, actually uh, dies off, uh, is uh, Kate Winslet's character, uh, Dr. Aaron Mears. Yeah. yeah. I love how matter of fact her death is. Like, it just kind of yeah. happens. Yeah. And then it yeah. moves on. I thought that was wonderful. I mean, and there's also something to be said, too, with the fact that, like, it's an interesting perspective because she is so. Um, quote unquote in the shit uh, as far as like understanding how this virus operates or trying to at least understand how it operates and such that when she does get sick uh, she has that level of self-awareness it's like something I always think about like when doctors um, of any form of medicine uh, get ill themselves or anything like that like just like the, the level like the mindset of okay I know this is happening to me right now I know I need to do x y and z but I am probably fucked like <laughs> you know it's like I, I found that uh, aspect of it to be uh, very interesting and also just like the sound of her coughing yeah. is maybe th- is going to haunt me for the rest of my day <laughs> kate winslet we just want you to be okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> we love you kate <laughs> Uh, I think it was very, very clear from the uh, marketing of the movie that Gwyneth Paltrow uh, had a small role in this. Um, I almost wish to this day that the trailers did not give that away. And it would have been more shocking yeah. to the audience then. I don't know if there's a way for it to have done that unless it just when it completely almost abstract. Well, and I think also something else to maybe remember is that this movie came out at a time when I think public perception of Gwyneth Paltrow was really at it 
moment where nobody liked yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah, I think you're after country strong. Yeah. <laughs> I think this movie also kind of advertised that, hey, look, we're going to kill Gwyneth Paltrow off in the first 10 minutes. Oh, Come see it. I, I really do think that was sort of part of the marketing to get people to see this movie. Josh, that I actually, freaking... yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. I, I think even no, I think maybe had done a little bit to like yeah. resuscitate her career in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because then it was like, oh, look, she's sort of in on the joke a little bit. She's willing to be in this big movie but with the, all these actors, but she'll get killed off, and we're kind of rooting for it in a Not sick way. Not only killed yeah. off, but because she was cheating on her husband. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of uh, the slut-shaming. Yeah, they, 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 it feels like the screenplay really went out of its way to make uh, Gwyneth Paltrow look <laughs> awful. <laughs> she looks awful, but the movie never does a moment of, like, this cheating woman started the virus, you know, again, which yeah. is a, a credit to the screenplay. <laughs> no, but it is interesting now that the virus uh, does originate from Hong Kong, and there is a little bit of that sprinkled uh, in the movie as well in terms of just the racism that uh, uh, gets attributed to something like that and when it comes from somewhere else. No, and just how we as Americans, um, you know, are always looking for something or someone to blame in a situation like this. Uh, but the thing that I think everybody always needs to, you know, take into perspective is that this is not a... Um, this is not like a specific attack. This is something that literally impacts every living human being on the planet, regardless of anything. It's completely, completely impartial. I, one of my favorite things about the movie, and one of the more frustrating things, is that like I love the storyline with Marianne Cotillard's character in... Um, in China and just the whole, like when the officials she's working with go like, Oh no, it can't have started here. Like you don't understand mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. you're saying. Right. Like, and the impact that that is going to have. And I thought that that is, that's so true to life. Yeah. That like people that... are thinking about the larger implications of what it means saying X, Y, and Z and how you can't really say that. And the length they're willing to go to, to avoid that, coming out and i think that's we're not quite seeing that in today's world that we know of but like it feels like it's one of the things that feels like when you first look at it like oh that's something that you would make up for hollywood but now living in it i'm like no i could absolutely see that happening yeah that part of of her storyline i thought was really interesting uh the second part where she gets kidnapped i thought that was just kind of silly and it, it really goes, and did then, not work for the movie for and, me and then it just aban- because it then just abandons that mm-hmm. storyline for the entire rest of the movie it doesn't go into like what actually happens like yeah if they had actually done something with that and kept i think you're right matt that if like another 10 minutes of this movie would have done a lot for fixing some of the tiny problems with it sure Sure. No, absolutely. And then, you know, um, I like that the ending of the film itself is uh, a, a detailed um, showcase of the origin of the virus. It's perfect. Um, people allude to it, you know, throughout the movie as to where it might have come from. But to see it visually happen, uh, that's a stroke of genius, I believe, right there. Yeah, and it's a perfect bookend. I loved that the film opened with day two and then ended with day one. So we see how it all came together. That was It was perfect way to end it. Yeah, totally agreed. There's a part of me that almost wishes that it had left the origins of the virus mysterious. Mm. Uh, I, yeah. I, no, I just I like it. Yeah, I think it just contributes <laughs> to the science-based uh, nature of the storyline that we yeah. see that it wasn't, you know, 
necessarily like a human thing gone wrong. Mm-hmm. It just it yeah. was a you know of an extreme coincidence. Again, the it's just the matter is. the matter of fact nature of this movie, and it just kind of said, "Yep, here's what happened." Yep. And then, you know, when they're talking about things like the population of each area, which uh, pops up on screen and they uh, talk about the R naught, which is um, uh, basically a a way of uh, expressing um, how the uh, virus will uh, rapidly, the reproductive rate, essentially, of the virus and uh, how it increases then to, I believe it's like, uh, what is it? It increases to like one in every four people then on the planet will potentially uh, get it if a vaccine is not distributed. And then the, the thing that I was like, holy shit, um, in terms of what would be the next logical step and like just the way the world would handle a situation like this, when they do develop the vaccine, the whole idea of who gets one, that was fascinating. like who gets yeah. it first. Um, oh, man, that was terrifying. <laughs> Because that's when you that like that's when real panic, I think, would then set in for a lot of people knowing that there is something out there and just what will people be willing to do in order to get it? Oh, man, like that was just that was crazy. Oh, um, I have like a, a, a lot of like kind of like little things here and there that I want to discuss. So do you guys mind if we go to final thoughts? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. OK, so. Uh, quickly, uh, final thoughts here. Um, I just have a couple of lines that I wrote down that I thought were uh, either amusing or interesting. Uh, one is blocking is not writing. It's graffiti with punctuation. Love that line. Uh, another one was um, they'll start listing the side effects like the credits at the end of a movie, <laughs> which was another really good one in regards to the uh, vaccine. And then one of the, the cheesiest line in the whole movie for me, um, and I had to write this down. I hated this line so much because for as realistic as the movie is and as, um, you know, procedural as it is, when um, they're in the lab, these two guys, and they're uh, doing an autopsy on Gwyneth Paltrow and somebody says, should I call someone? And the guy just goes, call everyone. Oh. I'm like, oh, my God, no. <laughs> my mom. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, yeah, like, what does that mean? <laughs> One of the concessions to classic Hollywood filmmaking. Yep, yep, exactly. Well, maybe that scientist really <laughs> wanted, thought he was in a movie, you know? <laughs> I think this movie is beautifully shot. Yeah. Um, it might actually be my favorite element of the movie itself, is I think the cinematography in this is just killer. And um, the production design of this movie, uh, I thought when it got to the points where things were starting to become extremely widespread in terms of what the streets looked like and such uh, a couple days into the virus, it reminded me a lot of a movie we recently reviewed here 28 days later at times. So um, I really, really liked uh, the depiction of that. And like I said, how realistic it felt. Uh, so for final thoughts, uh, that's all I got on that. Um, I want to pass it over now to uh, Josh Parham. Josh Parham, what final thoughts do you have on Contagion? Um, I think I just want to say two quick things. Uh, one uh, thought that flashed into my mind when I was watching it was, oh, yeah, Dimitri Martin was a thing at one time. <laughs> I didn't really, really try in there. That was, that was the thing. I looked at this movie. I'm like, well, if you ever wanted to know this movie was made in 2011. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but then the other thing I just want to mention is uh, – I just really do want to focus in on Soderbergh's direction. You know, we talk a lot about how this script does a lot of really smart things. I think that there's also some kind of dumb things in the script, too. But 
what to me actually pulls me through most of it is his direction that feels like very laser focused on what you need to do to feel invested in this very realistic looking world. Like we mentioned how there's these close-ups on things that people touch and that's strictly from a directorial standpoint. And I think this is a really strong effort from Soderbergh who sometimes can be very dedicated to what he's doing. And then sometimes it does sort of feel like he made it in five minutes and moved on. This does feel like an effort that he put some real time into to construct how this story should be told and the way that we should be visually telling the story. And I think he does a really, really good job with this material. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with you on that for sure. Um, let's kick it over now to Howard. Howard, what about you? What uh, final thoughts do you have there? Yeah, I mean, most everything that I thought has already been said, but I just want to give Matt Damon some credit here as well. You know, Matt Damon, for as big of a star as he is, um, he's not always incredibly impressive as an actor, I would say. And so I think here, this is his sweet spot. Playing a concerned suburban dad is like perfect (laughs) for Matt Damon. And I think he does it really well. I, I think the scene where he finds out about Gwyneth Paltrow dying uh, was really well scripted and well acted, uh, you know, not really under comprehending it at first. And so I thought that was a really nice touch. Um, uh, and, and yeah, I just think this movie is, is terrifying. And like I said in my opening, hopefully much more grim than the situation we're in. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I actually like that scene too of the doctor where the doctor's like, you know, unfortunately she did die. Right, right, right. So uh, can I go in and talk to her? Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, shit, that buddy. Great. I thought that was great. <laughs> like, it, it really hasn't hit you yet. <laughs> um, and just also kind of piggybacking off of that, because I don't know if um, anyone else was thinking this as well, but I do want to just go back to Matt Damon at the end of the movie one more time and just say that even though um, him grieving while looking at the uh, pictures of Gwyneth Paltrow on his um, camera didn't quite land for me, the, the moment that did actually was the uh, prom night at home that he puts on for his uh, daughter once it is safe for her to be with her boyfriend, Andrew. Um, I thought that was a nice kind of like tying it all together moment within the screenplay because they're always trying, you know, they're young teenagers and such and social distancing. You know, you try telling a young teenager about social distancing and see how far you get with it. Uh, But you have you 2 playing in the background and I'm just like, you know what? This is like a great example of how the human species is able to endure with some level of normalcy, even in the most horrific of situations. And I really, really like that a lot. Uh, let's kick it over now to Cody. Yeah, I pretty much said everything I wanted to say. I do like, again, that this strikes a really fine, delicate balance between being almost like a horror movie, but also not being over the top, which I think is a credit to both the director and the writer. I think it's really prescient nowadays, obviously, especially because there's so many things in this movie that we're literally hearing today, all the stuff about don't touch your fucking face and social distancing, (laughs) all that stuff. You know, uh, Scott Burns has been telling us this since 2011. We weren't listening. Uh, So I think watching it now with everything going on, it won't necessarily provide a distraction. Like I said, it may make you feel a little better that we haven't succumbed to our worst impulses like people do in this movie. And also I think it kind of is a good reminder that these things need to be taken seriously and everybody needs to do their part. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I interrupt to say one thing that I I just saw on Twitter from one hour ago um, that I I hate to say it, but Donald Trump, um, he, Mm -hmm. he tweeted about two drugs that he's suggesting people take together have a real chance of being one of the biggest game changers in the history of medicine. So now all this talk that I was saying about 
Jude Law being a cartoonish <laughs> villain. Never mind. I'm wondering if there's about to be a run on these two drugs here. Uh, My so, God. Anyway, just felt like that was worth it. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Huh. Who's left? Bear? Yep. Bear, what do you got? <laughs> I, like I said earlier, like no one does this kind of thing better than Steven Soderbergh. I, I don't even know how he does it, how he's able to make these like potentially very dry movies play like the slickest piece of Hollywood entertainment and still put all, everything across. I, it's mind boggling to me. Um, the cinematography, the editing, the, I, I love how like, they're not actual bookends of the film, but there's that early sequence where we just see people walking by and touching each other or touching objects or coughing. And you just, it instantly like riles you up like, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God. And then there's the later sequence where we see just how empty everything becomes. And you notice the absence of people and the absence of touching. And I, I just think it's so smart and so smartly made. Um, but Yet again, I feel like the one of the most underrated things that Steven Soderbergh is great at is choosing his cast for all the movies he makes. I mean, like, especially take your mind back to 2011 and like no one else could have played these parts. Everyone is so flawlessly cast in, in their roles. And it's just amazing how he uses their everyone's star power in a very specific way and i you know bravo all right so dan going in reverse now what's the grade out of 10 <laughs> um ah ooh, i'm i'll be honest i'm vacillating between an eight and a nine i it would probably not be my top it'd probably be like just outside my top 10 for that year so yeah i'll say an eight okay Okay. Very strong eight. Sure. Yeah. Cody, what about you? I think I'm at a seven. It's a strong seven. Uh, you know, it's solid. It's exciting. It doesn't really kind of ascend to something of greatness for me per se. And I don't ever see myself watching it again necessarily unless, who knows, maybe we were another cute little pandemic in the future. But yeah, a, a nice seven. A seven out of ten. All right. Okay. How it? What about yourself? I'm a strong eight. Uh, this is just outside my top 10 for 2011, but um, it just really works as a great horror movie. I agree. It doesn't connect super emotionally, um, but uh, I think it's extremely effective in what it's trying to do. Gotcha. Gotcha. Parham? I am at a seven out of 10. I think that it's a really uh, solid film. I think that everything that it is doing, it does pretty well. There's some times when I'm not completely on board because the characters aren't really there or the script kind of goes in a direction that I think is kind of distracting and takes me out of the overall narrative. But overall, I think that what it is attempting to do, it does pretty well and it keeps me engaged throughout. So, I, yeah, I think it's a good movie. Cool. Yeah. Um, I, too, am at a 7 out of 10. Solid 7 out of 10 on this one. Uh, I, you know, doesn't connect with me emotionally as much as I wanted it. Too, and I think part of the reason why it works as well as it does is obviously because the real world connections that we are all are living through right now do help to enrich the movie, and make it more, make it better. Um, it's 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 a very very solid film, uh, one that I'm actually really glad that we did get a chance to revisit. Although once again, I want to reiterate that for people that are going through severe anxiety, paranoia right now, or you know just 
having a hard time just coping with everything that's happening. I would not recommend this movie because it does get to that um, end of days, quote unquote, like breaking point where it feels like all hope is lost until it isn't. And we're not there yet as a society. So I would just, you know, caution people in that regard and also like, you know, have the wherewithal to realize that we are not at that point yet also. All right. Um, in terms of an awards run, uh, someone mentioned earlier that it pretty much was non-existent, even though it did premiere at the Venice Film Festival in 2011. I mean, looking at uh, that film year as it stands, right, the 2011 uh, Oscar uh, year, you know, would you guys nominate Contagion for anything? Yes. Really? I, okay, I hit me. What do, you, what do you got? Yeah, I would give it one nomination, and I feel like it's going to be the same nomination Dan would give uh, Best Original Score. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Cliff Martinez, if I remember correctly, I don't think he has a single Oscar nomination to his name. Uh, no, I don't think so. No, I don't and, think so. And this, uh, in 2011, he also did the score to Drive, which I also would have given mm-hmm. him a nomination for. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. You know what? Uh, actually, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take back the Contagion. If if I was only able to get him in for one, I would have gone with Drive in a heartbeat. I think I would too. But honestly, I would give I would double non- nominate him that year. I think both of those scores were excellent. Okay. All right. Anyone else? I would probably slide Jennifer Ely into supporting actress. We can knock Janet McTeer out of there. Sorry, Miss McTeer. Aw, sorry. <laughs> Maybe and, sure and that, if there's room, it's probably right. I do, but I don't know. I'm wondering about Scott Z. Burns' screenplay. In all honesty, I I would want to include it, but looking at that list of the yeah that's my year. problem too. i don't think i could kick any of them out i mean like i if it would replace anything it would be margin call but i think margin call has a better screenplay than this very similar style of film though very like yes. matter of fact yeah uh, yeah, yeah. no nah, yeah I, w- I would i would take margin call over this i think okay I mean, short discussion with this one but uh, no i would y'all include it in best cinematography <sighs> No. No. I, no. I like Soderbergh's uh digital style of shooting. Um I also am always a very very big fan of the fact that he's typically not listed as uh the DP on his movies. He has uh, an alias instead. <laughs> Peter um, Andrews, yeah. So sneaky. I really really do admire the fact though that he does tend to um shoot, edit, direct his own movies. Like he's such a DIY. I'm sorry. Yeah, DIY uh director and I, I really really admire that about him a lot yeah I, I think the cinematography is pretty strong I don't know if it would make a top five of the year for me but it's still really good work from him absolutely that's how I feel about the editing uh, I, I'm I'm not sure I can make a case for it to actually have been nominated um, but I, I would say it would, it would make maybe my list of 10 oh I think it could definitely be nominated this year over the descendants <laughs> <laughs> ACE winner of the Descendants. Don't forget. Yeah, I do not know what everyone was smoking in 2011 that that film had so much. I don't know, but I'm still smoking it because I love that movie. (laughs) (laughs) That whole Oscar year is is famously a mess, as we know. So it really. And I want to just uh, quickly shout out because I know that there's always conversation all the time about, you know, Steven Soderbergh possibly hanging it up for directing. Uh, it seems that that conversation comes up like once every couple of years. 
And uh, I just want to say for the record that I'm so glad that he didn't because one thing I really admire about Steven Soderbergh is that even though his films don't always knock it out of the park every single time, um, each movie he does is different from the last one. I don't think outside of the exception of obviously the Oceans movies, which are sequels, I don't think he's ever made the same movie twice. Well, I mean (laughs) – he did make Logan lucky. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fine. All right. But they even called that out in Logan Lucky. So. I know they did. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think that that that's like kind of the joke about Logan Lucky. Yeah, yeah I agree. So, yeah. All right. All right. Maybe I'll give you. I, I I would give you that one. I'll meet you halfway on that. I won't fully give it to you, but I'll I'll acknowledge it. In any event, though, Josh Parham, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at jr parham. Daniel Howitt. You can find me on Twitter at HowittDK. Cody Derricks. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd at CodyMonster91. And Dan Bear. You can find me on Twitter at DanceAndDanOnFilm. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Contagion here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us we are still going through with our uh throwback review of mulan even though the live action version of that we don't know when that will be coming out but we do have a ton of podcast content ready for you guys over the next couple of weeks and months um as we you know try to figure out ways to watch some stuff at home while we wait for new releases to come out Wash your hands, people. Stay inside. Social distance. Be safe. Be healthy. And we shall see you all next time.